You're listening to The Influencer Podcast, episode number 44. Last week, we had my amazing life coach and business mentor, Nicholas Salter, help us redefine our influence and teach us what it means to own our unique brilliance. This week, we're looking behind the scenes of influencer management with Miss Claire Collins of Gleam Futures. This show is brought to you by our free tip sheet of the month, Attract Your Ideal Audience, a completely free tip sheet that will help you cut through the clutter, get crystal clear on who you're talking to, and help you start attracting and growing your audience today. You can grab your free tip sheet at juliesolomon.net forward slash newsletter. Before we dive in, I want to give my warm appreciation to our reviewer of the week, and that is Lauren Tucker 2015, and she says, randomly stumbled upon this podcast, and I've loved every episode. Huge, huge help to micro-influencers and people just starting to figure out this world of marketing and influencing. I highly recommend. Well, thank you so much for reviewing and for recommending this podcast, Lauren. I am so glad that it is helping you. So of course, I want to hear from more of you who listen in each week. So make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, give us a review so I can highlight your review in an upcoming episode. Make sure to screenshot this episode on your phone and tag me on your Instagram story at Joel Solomon and our guest at DA Claire Collins and hashtag the influencer podcast to let us know that you're joining in today. As you know, that we love to share those screenshots on our story too. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. Each week, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist and New York Times bestselling publicist, takes you behind the scenes with successful influencers, bloggers, and industry elites in conversation to share how they engage, persuade, and grow their unique influence. Her mission is to share exclusive insider tips, wisdom, and action-based tools to help you strengthen, monetize, and build your own industry-leading influence. Hello, influencers, and welcome to this week's episode. We are looking behind the scenes of influencer management today with Miss Claire Collins of Gleam Futures. Claire heads up the North American operations of Gleam Futures, a management agency specializing in digital talent and influencers, and has a personal love for budding YouTube content. Claire manages the careers of leading digital stars and has inked multi-platform global branded content deals. Claire and the team at Gleam constantly stir their clients and personal brands, growing their reach and engagement on social media platforms, along with signing killer collabs along the way. From working directly with brands to monetizing and growing her talent's reach, Claire's unique view on the industry is incredibly interesting. So whether you're curious about brand work management or the influencer side, Claire has advice for all. I am so excited for this episode today. She is a wealth of knowledge. Please welcome to the show, Miss Claire. Hello, Miss Claire Collins. Hi, Julie. Thank you for having me. By the way, that was amazing. Um, can you just do that before any meeting that I walk into, please? I, I totally can. I absolutely can. I can just um, I can just go with you wherever you need me to I'll be. I'll play this. It'll be great. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, again, thank you so much for being here today. I, I know that we have spoken... Um, off air um, about kind of what we're going to talk about today. And I am so excited because you truly are just such a wealth of knowledge in this space. You have so much just gleams, if you will, to offer to all of our listeners today. So I'm really excited for this conversation. 
You're so sweet. Thank you. Yes. So Gleam, I know that Gleam is um, a management agency and we kind of know what you specialize from, from what I just mentioned, but I would love to know examples of the types of influencers that you take on um, as a company. I know that you work with a lot of amazing YouTubers, but kind of what is your, is your breadth, if you will, when taking on a new influencer, what do you look for? And then who are some of the clients that you work with? Completely. So we, we really, I'd say we are platform agnostic. Um, we don't necessarily look for someone, um, who, you know, has, has kind of built their career on a specific social media platform. Um, that being said, all of our clients pretty much, I think across the board, are we would describe them as digital first, like where, wherever that may be, um, or maybe it's multiple platforms, but they built up an audience and started creating content, um, through this, you know, amazing digital world that we're in. Um, we actually, we started in the UK. Um, I think that was probably about uh, seven years ago now. Um, and we're signing, um, clients who were, who were based in the UK. And then I created the, the LA office, um, which works across, um, North America, um, almost four years ago, it'll be four years ago in March, which is crazy. I don't know where the time goes. Um, and then in about six months ago, we opened up in Sydney as well. And I mean, that's been a big, um, kind of focus and priority for us as a business and the way that we want to grow is that we want to be able to support a very um, unique type of talent because I mean, we call, we call our clients talent because we truly believe that they are that to the very core, you know, they're multi-talented individuals um, and they have global audiences and they appeal on such an international level. So um, a, a big, a big goal for us is to be able to support that by opening offices in those key markets. So that was why, you know, North America was a big priority. Um, uh, London acts as a great hub for Europe. Um, and then Sydney to kind of help with obviously Australia and, and New Zealand, but also Southeast Asia. Um, so, you know, that, that's important. We feel like really understanding that there is a very different audience and that is, that is kind of probably the main thing that makes them so unique because when you look at more traditional talent, you know, actors and, and musicians, unless you become the absolute, you know, that absolute celebrity star status, you know, you're the, the Brad Pitt, um, of the world, then you're probably not known in multiple territories. You know, television is incredibly localized. Um, and a lot of music is too. So, um, you know, our clients aren't necessarily on that kind of scale in terms of, um, their reach or how they're known, but already their audience is that international. So, mm. you know, that's something that we really want to be able to support. Um, and we do that by having, you know, boots on the ground in those different territories. Um, in terms of like what we look for, it's honestly the question that I get asked the most. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, I don't really have a great answer for it because it's, it's, you know, we don't, we don't really use any, um, you know, tools to kind of help us do it. Of course we, we do some deep dives into what, are, what is their, uh, what are their analytics like? What's their growth like? Um, what's their engagement like? Of course, it's a big part of what we do, but it really is something that you can't always put your finger on or explain because you're just looking for someone and trying to figure out what their appeal is. Um, and, and also, do they have the potential to be able to turn it into 
um, a fully fledged sustainable career, which is obviously one of the hardest things that you're kind of placing your bets on because who knows, but, um, it really is much more of a gut feeling. Um, I usually, I just personally really like video content. Like I, I feel that it, um, it, it really, it engages with an audience in a way that I think is often more powerful than stills. Um, that's not to say, I mean, I love Instagram definitely. And, and I follow a lot of blogs as well, but there's just something about the relationship that you have with someone that speaks straight to camera is really like really powerful. Um, and again, different from watching someone on a TV screen, you know, it's, it's, you rarely, um, uh, what's the phrase break the, what's the break the mold, something mold or break the wall. There's something about breaking the the something the wall. Yes, 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 yes. yes. As an actor, it's rare that you would look straight to camera. The whole point is that you're not really meant to know that it is a camera. You know, you're just like watching this thing in front of yes. you. I think it's called the third wall. Third wall. You're yes. completely right. Yes. <laughs> the third wall, um, which is the complete opposite to a lot of um, YouTubers. You know, they're doing exactly that. The main type of content they create is looking straight at the camera and speaking to you. And I find that really... Um, really quite powerful. Um, and I, I also want to find people who are open to expanding, um, into different areas as well. So whether that might be finding someone and we, we've done this quite a lot recently, we found some amazing people on Instagram who are just really, really talented. And, um, one in particular, we work with a guy who's LA based, he's called Devin on deck. And, he, we actually knew him because he was working at a social media platform. Um, but he was also on the side doing his own thing and building up his own, um, you know, his own branded, um, platforms. And we were just so taken aback by his awesome content that he did on Instagram. He kind of does these cool, like, um, stop motion graphics. He's really cool fashion guy. Um, and we were like, Oh my God, how much could he do with like longer form video? And he should have a blog. And there's just like the sky's the limit. He could do so much. Um, and he was getting, he was like, yeah, I really want to do this. I've been kind of looking for a reason, um, to start a YouTube channel and maybe do a blog. And I, and I really want to make this into, you know, a, a, a multimedia, um, platform I want Devon on deck to go beyond just being a cool Instagram account so that's really what we look for when we're speaking to people it's it's you know what are their aspirations and and can we help um because we we kind of do a lot of different things and we're completely 360 and we we really just see ourselves as like we're an extension of our clients so whatever their goals and aspirations are in the future like we want to be able to do that with them um so we're still going our U.S talent roster is something that we're doing really, you know, kind of slowly, but surely, uh, we're not a scale based business. We we're totally built on finding those good people and being able to then develop them across all sorts of different, um, kind of paths and realms. So, um, we, we have around, I think we're around 15 in North America. I have to now say North America instead of the USA because we have a couple of Canadians. <laughs> um, and, um, some of those include, we work with Claudia Saluski. Um, we work with Claire Marshall, Devon on deck, who I mentioned before, uh, Diana Saldana. It's, we, we have a lot of females, 
definitely not necessarily on purpose it's just kind of happened that way and I do feel that we we know the lifestyle genre pretty well and I know that that's obviously an incredibly broad genre it's it's fashion and beauty and um life you know lifestyle is 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 huge it can be parenting and cooking and well-being and fitness and it's all sorts of things but um I feel like that has been um just something that I'm personally passionate about given my experience as well and I think lends itself very well to being able to build brands off social media Mm -hmm. as well Mm um yeah and what I think is so unique about your the way that that gleam and the way that you do your business is that you do look at it from a big picture. You really do focus on quality over the quantity, as you were saying that, you know, we really focus on that 360 development and, and coming alongside being in support of the client instead of just scale, scale, scale here. We have 3000 people with over a hundred thousand followers, who does the brand want to work with? Yeah, and I exactly. think that, yeah. And I think that that really attributes towards the longer term success of your clients because you look at it from that strategy instead. Um, and I would love to know your thoughts on how that has just the way that you, the, you handle the business in that way and looking at it with that strategy, how has that hand, um, how has that helped you broker more larger scale endorsement deals, if you will, or more longer term partnerships, if you will, because mm-hmm. I know that you've worked with Jaguar, Land Rover, YSL, L'Oreal, so many huge names. And I think that that really is attributed to the way in which you handle the strategy. I think I think it is. Um, it almost sounds a little bit too good to be true. I think, and, and maybe even a little cliche. Wouldn't everyone love to be, you know, having like le- less but with more quality? I think you could probably put that to any <laughs> any business would want that. Um, and I I came from um, a multi channel network um, at the beginning of my digital career. I had did some stuff before that, but um, I. That was that was really a business built around, um, you know, building big communities and, and scale. Um, and one of the main things I found so appealing about Gleam's business model when I joined the team and when I was having, I actually knew the CEO for a while before we worked together at my previous company. And I, it really did to me in the beginning. I thought, oh, this sounds a little bit too good to be true. Is this actually a viable business? Like to be able to kind of just place your bets for lack of a better phrase, on a few key uh, clients and to be able to make that, you know, successful not only for the clients but also for us as a company. And, um, I mean, since joining and I – that totally is the case. Um, I think that we don't just um, pigeonhole ourselves into only thinking about social media or only thinking about their digital business. Um, even though that that's where it, it all began and, and that's our expertise. Um, we've made it, um, we've made it our business to be able to understand different parts of it and, you know, things like publishing, like we've worked on, I think we have 14 now best selling New York sellers, New York mm-hmm. Times sellers. Like it's, 
um, yeah, it's trying to think, and that's crazy, you know, like publishing books. It's, it's taking something like social media, which is almost the complete opposite of old school publishing and magazines and books, but we've found real success in that. And um, the audience have really loved to be able to have that tangible thing that our clients have created um, because they don't always get that because everything's online. Um, and then also for our clients to be able to do something a little different um, that they wouldn't necessarily do online. Um, one of our clients who's based in the UK, Zoella, is a, an incredible author and she writes young adult fiction. And, you know, that, that wasn't really an outlet for her online. So it was our job to figure out um, how we can make that happen. And it's, and I mean, it's been incredibly successful for her. And, you know, it's, it's not only... Um, you know, a great vessel for her to try something different, but it's also a way for us to um, kind of incubate her IP, you know, that you do something like a, you create a book and it's fiction, like then what can you do with it? You know, is it a movie? Is it a TV series? Is it, I mean, if you look at something like, I always think a prime example of Harry Potter and the way that they've built that or Marvel or things like you, they've gone into it's it's so beyond movies it's it's merchandise and it's theme parks and it's you know it's kind of the um it's just the tip of the iceberg so um that's always really exciting for me so we're really we're really trying to figure out like what it is for each person um and I've totally gone on a tangent which is what happens all the time because I love it because the example that you just gave about Harry Potter is such an amazing example and kind of leads into the next question that I had for you is that um because that example of Harry Potter saying like it was just a woman who an amazing fascinating woman who wrote an incredible book that then turned into this global phenomenon theme parks everywhere you know and that goes that's so true to think with you know, the power of talent, the power of influence, the power of a brand, the true power a brand can have if you really do think big picture. And I would love to know if you could offer, if there's, you know, someone listening today that is wanting to grow, maybe they're just starting out, maybe they've been at it for a while, they don't have someone as amazing as you on their team. How could they start tweaking the way that they think or tweaking their actions a little bit to think more big picture strategy? It's, I think it's probably the most challenging part of their business. Um, and also, I, I think what's so hard for for digital talent, for talent, talent in general, for influencers, is that they have to use, they have to be so, not only multi-talented in the way that they, like the type of content that they create, but also the way that they have to run their businesses. You know, they they have to, they're, they're producers, they're the creatives behind campaigns, they're, um, you know, they're a lot of the time their own publicists. They, you know, they just have to, and then they also have to have a business mind and be able to then, you know, turn off the creative and then go and speak and be able to negotiate um, a deal or think about those long-term things. And I think it's so hard. Like, even the way that I personally have to, you know, motivate myself and run my day to day is that I tend to, I understand myself enough that I think, okay, today's going to be one of those days where I'm doing, I'm speaking on an amazing podcast and then I'm going into meetings. I'm just going to keep that day as a talking day rather than a day when I do my financial reporting because it just uses such different parts of my brain and I'm not able to you know, like chop and change. I'm sure some people can much better, but I just can't do that. And kind of knowing, knowing yourself and knowing your limitations and the way you work, the flip side is like, if I'm going to be sat there doing, you know, 
reporting or, you know, working on a contract. I've got five contracts to look over. I'm probably not going to throw a meeting at the end of that day as well, because I'm just not going to be able to, (laughs) I'll be a little kind of numb after like looking at all these things. So I think it's really about understanding the way that you work and not being afraid to think, to think about maybe working with other people outside of just yourself. Um, I, I know a lot of people who, uh, a lot of influencers who are a one man band and they have a ton of success. Um, they really like the fact that, you know, that it's hard, you know, it's hard to find people that, you know, you can trust that are actually going to add value to what you're doing. And to be frank, care about it as much as you care about it. Um, and, and I think that that's like probably the number one issue, right? Yeah. Okay. I could probably do with some help, but who, and, and what do I need? And people come to me a lot and they're like, do I need a manager or do I need an agent or do I need a publicist? And I'm like, well, tell me what you need. And then I'll help you understand because it might be a bit of a mixture of, of all three, or maybe there's someone that can be a hybrid. Like a lot of the time they don't even know what those roles even are. So just helping to kind of guide through that. Um, because this is still a new industry. And although this phrase gets banded around all the time, that it's the wild west, it, it kind of is still. And I, and I think that the last couple of years, I feel like the last 18 months it's exploded. And, um, you know, not only has traditional media started to really take note, um, and, and obviously really high end brands, brands that, only really looked to, um, um, being able to, if if they're going to expose to a new audience, it was, it was all traditional advertising and PR. They're now looking at, Ooh, no, I want to do something with influencers and beyond just, uh, paying someone to feature a product in a blog post. Like I actually want to work with someone as an ambassador. Like I actually think they could be an amazing face of my brand. And I think that that has something that's only just happened. So, um, to be able to realize that, Some people know what they're doing, but no one really knows. And we're all just figuring it out as we go along. And I think it's so important for us to have open conversations um, and to be able to help each other. And really, I just think that's the main thing. Like, don't be afraid to to speak to people and take meetings and, um, yeah, be able to supplement where you don't necessarily have the expertise. My friends, as creators, we work so hard creating our content. So we don't want to leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, your passions, your experiences into enriching offers like online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. What I love about Kajabi is that not only does it make it super easy to use, but they don't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. You don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income online. I talk about that all the time here on the podcast. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures without having hundreds of thousands of followers, and you can too. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash influencer. 
Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. And I think that too, that's kind of what helps you stay relevant as well. Um, because it, I mean, that's such a relevancy, that word is thrown around so much. And um, it really, what is that at the end of the day? Um, but I think that it is of just, you know, having the grace to change and evolve and grow and try different things and work with different people and and really knowing yourself, like you said, I think that that is what is going to sustain a relevancy over time. And really what you're also making me think about right now is that the people that are listening to this episode need to also remember that if they are thinking about working with someone, having someone come on board, if, if the person that they're talking to, if it's, you know, a potential agent or manager, if they're not talking to you in the way that you hear Claire talking to us right now, that's something to also take note on. Because I feel like so many times you have so many influencers that get thrusted into these opportunities or just these relationships with these people that really aren't thinking about them and their brand at the end of the day. They're just thinking the scale. They're just thinking the number. And if they're not thinking about how they're going to be able to help you sustain and grow and evolve over time, then they may not be the right fit for you. So I think that it's also knowing yourself, knowing your needs, and really listening to what those people are saying or really are not saying to you, because I think that that is really going to help with that sustainability as well. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, we, whenever we meet with anyone or if we've got down the line with someone and we're thinking that we're going to work together, it's never, I never want people to feel like we're ever trying to sell ourselves because we're really not. It has to be commitment on both sides. And I really see it as a team effort. Um, It's never like, you know, what can you do for me? I think if anyone says that to me, I'm like, well, I I can do this, but what can you do for me? Um, and it, there really has to be that commitment and that want for that we're on the same team and that, you know, we're both striving for the same, um, the same success, the same opportunities. Um, and, and it really has to feel that way. And if someone doesn't get it, I mean, I take meetings, I wouldn't, not that often, but like, I, I like to meet new people and I especially like to meet new talent. Um, and there's times when I'll say to someone, oh yeah, 
yeah, I don't think this is, I mean, all the time, really. I don't actually don't think this is what you need. I think you need this. Or why don't we just revisit this in six months? Or sometimes we'll even try it out. We'll say, let's just like, let's start working together. You know, let's start dating. Um, <laughs> and we'll, we'll give it a go and see if it, you know, if it's something that we both want. And there have been times where we're like, yeah, maybe you're not ready. Or maybe we can't actually do the things that you want us to do. Um, that's happened. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's so important for both of us to feel like we know which, what each other's role is. And you're so right, Julie. I think if, if you ever go into a meeting as an influencer and someone's going to say, this is what I can do for you. And it all sounds a little bit too good to be true. It, it might, it probably is. Um, because you know, we don't, we don't, our expectations of the clients that we work with, um, are very realistic. And it's really that we're both committed to the sounds again, it sounds a little cheesy, but they were both committed to what we're trying to do, but we're not going to say, you know, you have to hit this many followers by the end of 2018 because they can't really control that. And we can't really control that. And anyone who says that they can, I mean, I don't know. I would be a little concerned as to how they're getting to that. Like we're going to take these steps to try and get to that point. Definitely. And Um, we always, whenever we start working with someone, we do a sit down brainstorm, like strategy meeting where we come up with what we want to achieve. And and a lot of the time we get our clients to just throw everything at us. And then there's a lot of things that we shelve and we say, right, we'll revisit these. These are the things that we're going to focus on. And then we put an action plan in place to be able to get there. And I think that's the thing. Then everyone's like expectations are managed. We know if we come to the end of the year and we haven't done these things, well then either, we didn't do our end of the bargain or you didn't do yours or just other things happened and we had to toggle. Um, like you said, stay relevant. Sometimes you have to switch things up and you have to be not afraid to change. Um, but overall, like we're all on the same page, but neither of us should guarantee that there's, you know, that we're going to hit a number of followers or, um, that we're going to get this many brand deals. We're going to make this much money. I don't think that that is a very healthy way to look at your business either. Oh, and that's such a good takeaway because that's something that even the, you know, everyone that's listening today that is in this influencer marketing space that is talent that, you know, are on YouTube or do blog, if they don't have a team, this is something that they can do themselves at home. They can sit down, they can write out everything without fear of failure, what their passions may be, and then kind of reverse engineer, okay, so what are the first short-term steps that I need to do to get to this place. And, you know, the, the less and less that I think that we put, I think we give so much control and power over the number, over the following number or over the, the, the rate number or what have you, that we end up disempowering ourselves, or really giving false empowerment to things that we can really cannot control and spending too much time on things that we cannot control when the things that we really can control, like our content, our consistency, um, collaborating with people, trying to acquire media for ourselves, um, pitching ourselves for other things. Those things just go to the wayside because we're not focused on that. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like so many influencers only see themselves as influencers. And that's why, you know, sometimes I think that that word influence, it, it, it almost, it almost can pigeonhole because yes. then you're only seeing yourself as I'm just a person of influence. No, I'm, I'm a creative, I'm, I'm a voice. Um, and, and when I work with a brand, for example, what I'm doing goes beyond the fact that people are going to see it, like it, interact with it. Of course, that's great. But also I've created this amazing piece of content that hopefully is going to, yeah, hopefully is going to resonate with people. Um, but brands pay creative agencies 
a lot of money yes, to come up with to come up with great ideas for new commercials or you know a new narrative for their website and that, that happens all the time and that shouldn't be overlooked um whatever happens however that content performs you have spent a lot of time and effort into that blog post into that video um and that shouldn't ever be underestimated Absolutely. And I think that that goes back. I love that you brought that up because one of the main reasons why I wanted to name this podcast, the influencer podcast is because that word influencer can have such a negative and dirty connotation with it sometimes. And what I really was striving to do is to, you know, allow the listeners and allow the people that come on this podcast know that at the end of the day, I feel like an influencer is an artist and is someone who is super creative and can be multi-passionate and multi-talented in so many different arenas and really kind of flipping that, that script in a way. And I think that that comes back to what you had told me offline about respecting your influence. Um, you know, you, you had said it's, it's so important and it's, and it's vital that we use a platform for good and that we respect our influence and that that power is extremely vital. So I would love for you to dive into that a little bit more in your perspective. What does respecting our influence mean and how can we respect it more? Yeah. I think it's come up a lot recently. I think there's been a lot of instances where maybe probably never on purpose because I feel like most people are good people, um, but mistakes have been made um, and and there, there hasn't necessarily been the respect there. Um, and that's not to say that it's an easy thing to navigate. I think a lot of people have been thrust into something that they didn't necessarily start out thinking that they were going to become a person of influence. They did it because it was a creative outlet and they enjoyed what they were doing. And then for a lot of people, it snowballed and suddenly they have, you know, thousands or even millions of people that look to them for, um, advice or inspiration or just entertainment. And I think that that, that's a, that's a, there's a lot of pressure, you know, especially for some people who are young and are still figuring out exactly what they're doing. I, I don't think it's easy by any means. Um, but, uh, even the way that not normal people, I'm doing air quotations when I'm saying normal people <laughs> don't necessarily use their social media for a business. Um, you know, there was always the, what did it, I feel like this was like an older thing, like five or six years ago. And it said that, <clears throat> don't put anything on social media that you wouldn't want your grandparent to see. Mm -hmm. And I think that's still so true. You know, it's, it, it's always there. Um, it's not easy to delete. So really think that you are, um, you're really anything you're putting out there. You, you would stand behind, you know, we all change. And I'm sure there's times when I have clients who say, Oh my God, I go back sometimes and I look at my early Instagram or I look at my early YouTube or I look at my blog five years ago and I think oh and it makes me cringe but that's just because people change and we evolve as humans like there's nothing there that they would look at and go oh how could I I can't believe I put that out there that was awful and I think it's just always being so mindful of that um and who you collaborate with um whether that's a person whether that's um a media outlet whether that um is another platform or whether that's a brand you really need to think about um, is it, is it the right fit? Is it positive? Will you resonate with you, but not only your audience as well? Um, and I, you know, I, I 
gone to numerous panels or I speak to influencers all the time when they say, you know, authentic, you know, authenticity, it's like key and it, it's become a little like repetitive, but it, it still is so true. Um, you know, these, these influencers have really, they've become, um, a, they've become so popular. They've become this voice of, of reason and kind of voice for the masses because they speak the truth um, for the most part. And, and I think that then by, if you're going to affiliate yourself with a brand that you're actually, you don't really like, or you're not passionate about, um, I, I think that's quite careless. And, um, that's not to say that you then, you know, speak badly about something either. I, I think it's fine to just say, no, actually, I, this doesn't work for me. So I'm not going to work on it. Um, but what I, I am only going to work with brands and products that I'm actually like, or that even if there's times when I've seen this done well, which is that there'll be, you work on a product and you'll say, this actually doesn't, this didn't work for me because of this, this and this, but actually I think you guys will like it for these reasons and being able to show that there's like this whole breadth of like different options out there and that's fine. But I, yeah, I, I think it's so important. I also think that we're living in a time where, um, there's a lot going on. I mean, there's always a lot going on in the world, but from a political standpoint, from an equality standpoint, um, I think there's a lot of discussions to be had and wherever anyone's political stance is, I think it's so important. Um, and we will all, I think most people would agree and be thankful for the fact that we're talking about it a lot more now. And that wasn't really the case three years ago. A lot of people would avoid having discussions about, um, politics. Um, but now it's part of our everyday lives. So I think it's important that if you feel passionate about something to speak about it and to raise awareness, um, and get behind causes. Um, and I think that just shows that you're a human and you go beyond being this person to go to for finding out what amazing, you know, new beauty products they should be using that, that month. It's like, you're also the person they go to because you want to know, you know, what their views are and what's important to them. And that, that only makes you feel more connected to someone on that, like, you know, kind of personal and human level. And I think that the more that influencers start doing that and really empowering themselves to, to share their, their, you know, insights and their wisdom and their thoughts and their feelings and what makes them, you know, scared and what makes them excited and what makes them joyful and what makes them full of grief. The more that we share that, I think the more that we're really going to see who they are at the core. And I think that the, that that's going to allow also brands to connect with them more, because I know that you had mentioned that one of the trends that you see coming is, um, is influencers being able to have the opportunity to really start doing really longer term partnerships, specifically as brand spokespeople and ambassadors, kind of like how we used to see the actors and athletes, you know, they were, they were the face of yeah. L'Oreal or they were the face of Nike. And we're going to start seeing more influencer influencers have the opportunity, to, opportunity to do this. And I think that the more the more that the influencer really shows up and shows the world who they are at the core, not just what is their favorite lipstick of the season, the more that they're going to have those opportunities to be those ambassadors for those brands. Definitely. Definitely. I think it's a hard balance as well. I, <clears throat> I think in terms of long-term growth as well, like you, you don't want to just be reliant on, on brand deals it can't be just, you know, that that's your only revenue stream. It's, it's not sustainable. We don't know how the business is going to evolve. And, 
and quite frankly it's like you're then just I mean you're you're really just only as good as the companies that you work with um that being said when it comes to just like diversifying revenue streams that's a tricky balance because (laughs) you can also do it definitely um and you never want to just be like throwing yourself into lots of different areas when you don't necessarily have the expertise or really the passion for it so I, i think that's a very it's a very hard thing to to walk that fine line between um diversifying um your business and your revenue streams but also not overdoing it and how do you see influencers best diversify that i mean obviously there's brand deals there's affiliate marketing commission you know that that influencers can make money on what are other ways that they can diversify their revenue i don't think it's like a one size fits all i think it's different for different people um and and that's and that's a big part of our roles is coming in and saying okay well what what do what are you passionate about what do you want to do what are your longer term aspirations um and yeah it's it's different for each person so I wouldn't say that it's just like everyone should do this um that being said um it 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 really there is kind of a sky's the limit in in a way um for a lot, a lot of our clients, and I think given that we are so, so much more focused on lifestyle, actually building their own brand um, and their own product is is always like a, a, a big kind of goal for a lot of our a lot of our clients. Um, that obviously is a massive undertaking, and it is not to be taken lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, I, honestly, a big big part of, of our roles and our part on the team is to be able to educate so much into like what goes into these things and, um, not just the, the financial investment that goes into starting something from scratch, um, but the liability and the time commitment and the expertise. And it's, it's not, yeah, like I said, it's not to be taken lightly. Um, but it can be something that is just so exciting and can really just take, and influences career to the next level. Um, I think also looking at creating a brand is not just creating something that your audience who already know and love you will, will resonate with them. Like how can we create, that's great. That's an awesome jumping off point that there is already an audience there that love you and, and, and already you appeal to them. So they're probably going to like the things that you like. Um, but how can we take that to the next level and how can we find and create a brand that, um, finds a completely new audience as well and is, is almost like becomes that self-fulfilling prophecy where it's like oh I didn't know so-and-so was attached to this brand I just found this brand and thought it was so cool um, and uh, and you know and it goes both ways so I think that that's always that's always um, that's always really exciting I also looking at well, I know we're kind of repeating ourselves in a way we keep saying this but Outside of the fact that these are influential people, they're also amazing creatives. They have an amazing eye for things. So can they work with an existing brand, but on the back end? Like, mm-hmm. Is there a way to have someone who is this amazing beauty influencer who knows products so well? We have a lot of clients as well who are actually who are professional makeup artists before becoming bloggers. Mm-hmm. Um, and how can we 
how can a brand utilize that expertise uh, to be able to help them develop something, whether that's a line, whether that's, you know, a piece of technology. Um, these guys are an absolute wealth of knowledge and, and how can we work with them outside of just being able to leverage their audience and, and again, going back to what we were saying earlier about them being creative directors, like a lot of the time we'll speak with brands and they'll say, actually, we just want to work with this particular person because we really like their eye and we know they'll produce incredible content for us. And if they want to help promote it, great. But actually, we just want it for our platforms because we know they're going to do a better job and they actually seem to understand our brand better than us just hiring some agency to do it. And I think just looking, you know, looking at it outside of, looking outside of just like what they can do with their audience, um, I think is important. That being said, one thing I think is really exciting and something that we've really thrown ourselves into, um, is, is long, longer form content. Um, and given that I am passionate about video, um, I, I, that's something that just really, really excites me. We have a team who, um, are, are really kind of working as at their own production company as part of Gleam Futures um, to work across our entire talent roster to just identify really interesting um, and sometimes just a speck of an idea and how we can develop that into something bigger and whether that is it already sits on a platform that they already have or whether it's that we put it together and we pitch it to a, you know, an SVOD platform or it's, you know, it's a traditional TV network. Um, or is it an amazing piece of content that can have a brand affiliated with it? And that's something that really, really excites me because it's, it's taking that, what we've done for years around, you know, it's a piece of content that is completely really dedicated to a brand and finding a way to create, um, a, a really a standalone piece of content. It's a narrative that then tells the story that the brand really wants to tell, but doesn't necessarily feel like you're watching branded content. It just so happens that it has a brand attached because it's part of their whole, you know, ethos behind what they're trying to do. And that's just something that I find really exciting. And I think that, you know, as creatives, that's something that definitely appeals to a lot of our clients. Um, I would agree. And I think that it's just kind of seeing how this space is just continuing to evolve. Um, you know, just as much as the influencers evolve, the brands are going to evolve and the content that they create will evolve. Um, and I loved what you touched on earlier about how you said it's kind of coming back full circle. You were talking about traditional PR and you have even said to me, um, the one thing that you want to make sure that your, you know, that your talent, um, never does is underestimate traditional PR, especially for those talents who are wanting to diversify their audience and really kind of be seen outside of the social media space. They're wanting to gain that credibility and that expertise, if, if you will, out just outside of social media. Um, I would love if you could touch on that a little bit more, you know, with my background being in PR for over 10 years, I, I love when you said this to me because that <laughs> traditional PR is where I come from. And yeah. I would love to know your take on how how the social media influencers and talent of today can really utilize traditional PR to help them grow and diversify. Yeah, it's, it's really important to your point. It's, it's, um, showing that there is, there is more to these people than social media, you know, numbers and hits and impressions and likes, you know? And I, and I think that that is really kind of, it's, it's showing that. Um, I think that, we're a 
we're at an interesting time um, for a lot of publications, for magazines. I was pretty upset when I saw that Teen Vogue print is closing. I think it's an absolutely amazing magazine and has been such a voice for young women. Um, but that being said, what I did read was that there's, this isn't the end of Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue are going to be doing a ton. They did an amazing summit recently. Um, they're definitely going to be um, really honing in on social media um, and their website. And I think that's really exciting. And I think this, this, presents an amazing opportunity for influencers and, and for digital talent to then get involved and help. Um, a lot of my clients have a very um, unique um, and, and distinctive um, voice and opinions on things. And I think not being afraid to actually be able to reach out to, to a publication like a Team Vogue or um, it, there's so many amazing, like Refinery29, so many amazing online platforms now as well and be able to say, I'm passionate about this and I want to write about it. Can I do it? Can we collaborate on something? I think for a long time, we always said collaboration is key and collaboration is key, but you don't just have to do that with other social media influencers because although you're definitely going to tap into a different audience and an audience who has an appetite probably for that type of content, but there is definitely going to be a shared audience there as well. And what about totally, you know, flipping it and, and working with someone who maybe has absolutely never heard of you, um, but would find it really interesting. I, I, one particular area that I find this really interesting is, is parenting, um, and, and family, because I think that there's a lot of people who, um, a lot of mothers, a lot of families who might go to say Facebook for content, but they don't necessarily know that there's a, there's a ton of content on YouTube for them as well, that, that would totally resonate with family life and the, the trials and tribulations of being a parent. And, um, and there's all this content out there. And a lot of the time, I just don't think they know that that's a place that they would go to find it. So by then collaborating with, an amazing publication, um, whether it's through Facebook, whether it's, you know, mum's net or a parenting magazine, um, to be able to say, Hey, this is me. I'm over here doing this. Um, and I see this is an amazing platform, but I'm also doing this over here. I think it's a great way to just really tap into maybe a, a, a new audience that, um, or a new reader that wouldn't have been there before. I would completely agree. And I think that, that, I always stress that and I see that so much and it's really how um, I know a lot of influencers, myself included, kind of built our our brand, if you will, in the beginning by utilizing traditional PR, contributing to magazines, um, you know, getting featured, offering advice, how-to tips, um, going even to like the local news station to do some kind of, you know, demo on something. I mean, the sky is really the limit with that. And, and I'm so glad that you, that you were able to touch on that because I think that that's something that a lot of influencers, if they just kind of tweaked their thought process with that a little bit differently could really utilize and, and see some major benefit from. Yeah. For yeah, sure. Definitely. And it, and it works for both sides as well. You know, I think it's very, um, it's, it's a positive thing for the publication who's trying to, um, you know, change up their audience and it, it kind of works. It's, it works on both sides. And so I know that before you, um, before you got in, before you started working with Gleam, and even I think that you were still in London at the time, you worked for Benefit Cosmetics for four years. Um, I would love to know how did working 
you know, on the brand side, initially shape your view of influencer marketing and really allow you to excel in what you do, because you kind of understand both sides of the spectrum. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe. The only thing I will say is that when I was at Benefit Cosmetics, it was, where are we? Nine? Nine? So before, yeah. It was before, and it was, it, yeah, it was a different time. Um, I, there, from time to time, I'm actually quite embarrassed to say this, but um, I sometimes influences um I think it was really when YouTube was still kind of a big thing but there was no Instagram um Facebook was around so it was mainly YouTube was pretty much the main platform and people would get my email address and reach out to me and ask me for free product and I used to think what what who I I don't get it like what is this um what you have a YouTube channel and they'd tell me how many numbers they had and they were impressive um but even at the time I just thought I don't understand and I really shunned it which I think is now it's almost like my it's like good karma I do this now because um I just think that I totally underestimated it at the time but I think everyone did no one really knew what this was right of course Um, yeah and I spend a lot of time just saying "Mm, no and then forwarding them to our PR company (laughs) Um, which is terrible. I feel so bad in saying that. I'm sorry if there was anyone who has been around for that long and I didn't respond to your email. Um, but we, yeah, we, we were all about, and Benefit, the main thing that I learned at Benefit was that we actually didn't spend much money on advertising, certainly not traditional advertising. It was all marketing. Um, and that was a really good way to learn um, from really from the ground up about like what, really being able to analyze what works and what doesn't. Um, and that's what, I mean, social media gives us and is, is so amazing is that we, we have, we access to so much data, um, and really to be able to figure out what works and what doesn't. And brands have that too. Sometimes I think it's a double edged sword because I think it leaves brands wanting more and more and more because they have so much of it, um, that they don't necessarily have when they place, you know, and, and, and add on television, Um, but you know, that, that was probably my main learning from there was being able to figure out how we find, you know, how we keep our current customers engaged and like going to counters and going into stores and, um, wanting new products. And also how do we find a new audience as well? And that was all through, not just relying on, on advertising. It was like being really smart with, with publicity, um, and, and different and different marketing projects. It was really the start of our e-com business becoming really successful as well. Um, so it was like, well, how, how do we drive people to our website? So it was like, I was thinking in those terms at that point without actually thinking about social media. And then do you think that because you've kind of seen both sides before it exploded and then being involved with everything that you have been involved in over the past, you know, seven years, really, um, how do you think brands could work with influencers with talent in a more productive way if productive is the right word Hmm. yeah I think it it's really understanding who you're working with speaking from a brand so um we we have brands or agencies reach out to us a lot and it becomes apparent quite quickly that they have no idea about this particular influencer or this talent 
um, like very, very quickly. It can be something so obvious that even if you spend five minutes on their Instagram, you would be able to figure out that this is something they wouldn't do or they wouldn't affiliate themselves with. And that can be frustrating, but I also get it. Like it's not, it's not necessarily their focus. They're doing lots of different things. So it's not their they're just like, she kind of has the look, she fits the bill, she has the numbers, great, I'm going to pitch them. Um, so I do think it would it would be helpful for brands to become more educated when it comes to who they want to work with and why. Um, it's amazing. And we have, you know, on the flip side, we have great conversations with people, brands that will come to us and say, oh, we know they're already a fan because they've spoken about us here, here and here. And we really like this piece of content. And can we find a way like we don't even know we're not even coming to you with a campaign, but we just want to work with this person. And how can we do that? And I mean, that's always like the dreamy situation um, when we can then just take that to one of our clients and say, they just want to work with you. What can we do? Let's come up with some ideas. Um, and we're not afraid of that at all we we work really closely with our clients to be able to brainstorm um and a lot of the times obviously understand that when it comes to a pr and advertising or a marketing budget um there that's pretty specific and they're not gonna be able to just come and just say oh i have a ton of money and i don't know what to do with it they probably know what they want to do with it and they've probably already you know pinpointed that to a specific um, product launch um, or a campaign or a theme, something that they're doing. But that being said, um, knowing when to come and approach us or approach an influencer, which can often be earlier than you think, um, and not being afraid to involve them in the, the creative process of like, really, how can we build this into a fully fledged campaign? Um, because a lot of them have really amazing ideas and know, how, you know, what will work and what won't. Um, and then on top of that, you know, by working with influencers, the chances are it's going to be successful and it's going to work and you're going to see a spike, whatever that spike is, um, whether it's just people coming to your website or even actually buying. Um, it, it's just a spike. And I feel like that's not really very helpful for any brand or business. People want, you know, sustained growth um, and it, it's always going to be helpful to try and think of like, how can we do this and, and keep it and like keep it solid. So can we work with someone on a 12 month basis? Um, can we actually, you know, do they become an ambassador for our brand? Do we maybe even create a product with them? Um, you know, actually, but with involving them in that process as well, because pretty much I've certainly could speak on behalf of all of my clients that none of them would want to stick their name on something without actually being involved in the development of it. Um, so knowing that, like they, I know they say it and I know they say, Oh, authenticity is important. And I think a lot of people eye roll when they hear that, but it, it's so true. Um, and they're really, they're really not going to be inclined to, um, be involved in something or certainly put their name to something if they don't know what went into it. Um, so I think just really being open to what it looks like and not being afraid to to go to an influencer and say, how can we do something? Even if it isn't right now, how can we do something in six months? Like, why do you like working with us? Why don't you like working with us? Like, what can we do? And I just think just looking at it is it's really collaborative and um, really utilizing. We keep speaking about this but because I think it's important, like actually utilizing an influencer as, as maybe in the same way that you would go to a to a creative agency and say like help we want to know like how can we do this together um 
And yeah, I completely earlier, Julie, you were saying about how it could be mirroring as well, like more traditional talent in terms of like athletes having a few endorsement deals um, and, and, and an actor. And I agree. I think it could go in that way for sure that maybe we just we work on these long term campaigns and are across all sorts of different media forms um, and we'll see real success for the brand and for the influencer as part of that. I think there's a, there's a myth or me, I mean, no, there's some truth in it for sure that the audience, the influencers audience doesn't like it when they get paid to do mm-hmm. campaigns. And it's just, it's really not the case as long as the content um, is never in jeopardy and it's good content and the, brand partnership makes sense it's usually the audience is incredibly supportive of that mm-hmm. um it just has to be done in a thoughtful way so I feel like brands shouldn't ever be afraid of or trying to hide it like let's not hide the fact that you're paying this person like the audience is going to be really pleased that you're paying them to do something as long as it makes sense um uh, I mean that's so not the case anymore anyway with the way that everything has to be disclosed which I think is only a positive thing um made everyone a lot more thoughtful about the way that they partner with brands there's no hiding it there's no pulling the wool over someone's eyes it's like it's upfront. it's there I'm being partner you know I'm being paid to do this but I'm doing it because I like it and it makes sense well and I think that too I love that you touched on that with the audience because the way that I also see it is that if your audience is is mad at you for getting paid to add value to their life, then they're not probably your true audience anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I think that the, you know, the, your true audience is going to be the ones that are so in support of that and they want you to grow and they want you to thrive because that is going to allow them to grow and thrive as well. Um, so I'm really glad that you, you reminded us of that because um, I do think that sometimes, you know, people can get bogged down thinking that, you know, oh, I, am, am I going to be, you know, is my audience going to appreciate this or receive this? And I think that that was a great reminder for sure. And something else that you had kind of said to me as well regarding kind of challenges um, that, you know, I had asked you about that hopefully we can kind of overcome as we get into, you know, 2018. Um, I had asked you about the challenges and you had said, you know, bots and fake accounts and that um, you, you really touched on something brilliant. You said that brands and agencies and influencers kind of all alike are struggling to figure out what is real when it comes to engagement and reach. And so it's looking beyond the obvious metrics um, and really looking beyond the obvious metrics is the only way that you can truly see an influencer's impact and power and kind of over time. And so um, for, for the audience that's listening today, you had some great takeaways for them on how they could kind of look at this, um, in terms of, of their account. Um, you know, you want to look at how many comments you have on a post. Um, are they related to the content that you are posting about? Do they drive content? Do they convert to sales or do they build awareness? Do they ignite a conversation and an interaction that you don't really have to kind of micromanage? You know, it just kind of starts to flow on its own. I love that you touched on those important factors. And how do you think that these factors are going to really start um, empowering the talent and the influencer and the brands more? Because you, I mean, it's showing that really these days, I mean, because for a long time it was like, okay, there's reach, fine. Um, But, you know, what is that reach and how many of those 
um, how many of those followers are actually engaging? So that was the first thing. And then it was like, okay, fine. No, no, no. It's, it's likes versus followers or, you know, we're talking about Instagram. Let's just pick a platform. It's relevant to all, but I feel like Instagram's the easiest. So it was like, okay, no, no, no. But this person actually got this many likes. They have really good engagement. They get likes on the picture. Um, and they have this many followers, but then it was like, okay, but how many of these likes are even fake? It's quite easy to go through and actually like something, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's impacting you in any way or that you want to comment. So then the next phase is like, okay, it's comments. But then, you know, if someone has a massive, massive audience and you go on and you look at the comments, more often than not, they are in no way related to actually what the post is even about. It, you know, people having arguments about something that's totally not related. Um, or, or it, again, it can be kind of spam comments. So it's just like, okay, so, so what do I do? Like, what do I do? And I think it's... It, we, when we work on a campaign, a lot of the time we'll send to a brand afterwards, we'll actually send them examples of comments that were related to the content. Um, oh, I mean, wow, that's a great idea. Well, the, I mean, the dreamiest one ever is like, oh my God, I love this. I literally went out and bought this product because of it. Mm-hmm. And we've actually had those. I mean, that's the most obvious dreamy comment ever, but like actually engaging with not only the content, but also for the brand, they've gone out and bought it because of it. Um, but even just like asking other questions, um, you know, for a long time, especially with video, it was always like, this is cool, but what are you wearing? Or this is great. What's the music? Because they just want to know every part of it. And even that in itself is showing that they watch the whole way through, um, and they're engaging with it. Um, and actually being able to look and like pinpoint those comments that really are related to what's there. And I think the influencer to always think about, um, starting that starting a conversation um and you know what do you want because a lot of the time my clients will say oh I'll post something and it'll be a really beautiful picture um and it won't have me in it or it won't have many like products in it and it will look great and it will get lots of likes but it will get zero comments because no one really has anything to say about it you know it's just like oh it's a really nice flat lay of you know your breakfast like it didn't really ignite any passion in me you know it was just like that looked like nice oatmeal um so I think that's fine as well because it's all about you know you're building especially with an Instagram feed you're building an entire kind of look and aesthetic and that's important um but when it really comes to having posts that um engage and and inspire conversation you have to be thinking about that and starting that conversation like that's your responsibility as an as an influencer as a creator to be able to ignite that in someone and and throwing a question to them or um you know just really making sure that the content is inspiring and interesting and makes people want to know more and I yeah that's just it's brilliant the way that you said that and so many little nuggets and tips that you just gave there of how we can even as influencers or once we do a brand how we can really beautifully showcase to the brand all of the impact that that collaboration has has made whether it be from the comments or from the dialogue or from the metrics there's so there's so much more than just the engagement rate or the following number that goes into that and I love that you touched on so much of that so thank you so much for that Oh, and I think speaking to the brand, frankly, in the beginning as well and saying, well, what is, what's your, you know, what do you want? What's your ROI? Like, what is it? What do you want? Do you want just, do you want numbers? So you can go back to your CMO and say, this is great. Look how many people saw it. Um, or do you, is the engagement really important? Do you want to, do you, is it great for you to see how people actually like the product? Um, or do you want to drive sales? 
Um, there's definitely times where it's just like, no, 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 we, we want to push this product and we want it to sell. So well, let's think about ways that we make that happen. Um, so it's, it's so important to have that open conversation with the, with the brand and the agency as well to figure out what it is really that they want to achieve. And before we wrap this up, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions just to kind of get your take. I would love to know who is your favorite influencer or talent, because I'll use your word, that you are following right now. <gasps> okay, well, obviously you can't pick any of my own clients. That's like Sophie's choice. <laughs> um, oh, what a good question. Who am I really into? Uh, Yara Shahidi. Yara Shahidi. Okay, I'll have to look her up. She's an, this, so she's an actress, but I think this is what's interesting too, right? It's now the, um, the kind of the new crop of traditional talent, I'm doing air quotes again, traditional talent, whether you're an actress or a model or a musician, they're so embracing social media in a way that is completely organic. It's not in a way that I think maybe older um, celebrities are doing, which is like, oh, I have to now embrace this because it's the future. Right. They've grown up with it and they're doing it so authentically and so naturally that I think you can look at a lot of these people and say, they are like, you know, Bella Hadid is as much a model as she is a social media influencer. Um, and I think that's interesting, showing that like blurring of the lines behind, you know, what someone does. And if it's going that way, then that's also why it's going the opposite way um, in terms of showing, you know, that it's, influencers can go, you know, can, can blur that line as well. Um, so I love her. She's the actress on, um, so she's blackish, but she's also doing, um, grownish now on Freeform, And she's just amazing. I just think she's wise beyond her years. And again, speaking earlier about how like using your platform for good, she really mixes it up, um, between being just this incredibly talented actress and creator, um, and being beautiful and stylish, but also being a great voice for like young women and speaking about things that matter to her. Um, yeah, she's amazing. Um, I actually am going to pick a client. It's not one of my US clients because I feel like I work with them on a day-to-day -day basis and that will look like I'm picking favorites. Um, but it's actually someone on our UK-based roster um, in the fro. In the fro. Um, called Victoria. She is... Her, she's recently been working on some amazing partnerships and her content is so beautiful. Um, she did some stuff. She did a U.S. trip and she went to um, she went to NASA and she her boyfriend does all of her pictures for her. And she just did these absolutely insane fashion pictures um, with with rockets you know, as you do, like beautiful dresses um, in front of like, you know, at, uh, uh, the Kennedy Center. Like it was just absolutely insane. And I've been obsessed. So um, she's and she's also one of the nicest humans I've ever met. So that always helps, too. I love those. I can't wait to dive into to both of those and and um, and see what they're about. I love to get um, some new um just gleams in my, in my feed. So thank you for that. Um, okay. Before we wrap this up, um, I wanted to ask you a question that I ask everyone that comes on the show and that is what does influence mean to you? Um, Oh, I'm trying not to repeat myself on things I said earlier. I think influence is 
really, really powerful and shouldn't be taken lightly. I think that you look beyond influence as well. Like rather than just seeing that someone has an audience that they have influence over, how did they get it? And I think that that is just bringing it back to everything we've discussed during this is looking beyond influence. Um, why is it there? Why do these people follow them? Why do they interact with them? Why do they put them on a pedestal? Why are they inspired by them? Um, so I think it's about, about looking beyond that and also really as an influencer, really respecting the influence that you have and using it for good. That's awesome. That's a great answer. Well, Claire, where can everyone find you um, on socials or if they want to learn more about you or some of the work that we talked about that you do today, where can they find all of that good stuff? So we have a website, um, gleamfutures.com. Um, I am on mm, pretty much most social media, Instagram, Twitter. I'm at Collins. Um, and also I'm actually a board member, um, for an amazing company called WIM, which is women in influencer marketing. Um, and they have a website, which is I And it's an amazing, um, networking group of women who really are, um, kind of the, the guy behind the guy. Um, it's professional women from ad agencies, you know, talent agencies, public relation, media companies, brands. Um, and we do events in New York and LA, um, and hopefully beyond we're working on that too. Um, we have an amazing Facebook group, so I would definitely, um, push people to go and check that out. I love that. I'm going to have to dive into that. Well, Claire, thank you so much for coming on today for all of your amazing tips and tricks and advice and feedback and just sharing your time with us. Um, I so appreciate that. And I know that this conversation is going to help empower so many influencers that are listening. Thank you so much for having me, Julie. I had way too much fun. Are you ready to create your own industry-leading influence? For show notes, downloads, and action-based tips, head to www.theinfluencerpodcast.com where you can find out more about this week's episode, guest, and our host, Julie Solomon. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please take a minute to go to iTunes and leave a review so we can help other influencers like yourself build their own successful business.